Unfortunately, no one lives forever. Have you recently lost somebody that you really loved? Have you lost a family member and you're trying to get through? Tonight we discuss losing family and how to cope. Clutch, my real girlfriend across America. Hey, wait a minute, I don't know how to describe myself. Huh? We gotta give these ladies a makeover. Funny, sometimes you feel like you're always on the show. I'm like, oh wow, that's really good to know. A lot of women experience some of them. Clutch has like a lot of different kinds of interests. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clutch Podcast by Real Girlfriends Across America. I'm Annie, and I'm your host tonight. Real Girlfriends Across America is a company that has a foundation and mission to build lifelong friendships with women across the globe. We broadcast on Sunday through Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We always want to hear from you, and we're always looking for great topics, so feel free to send us some information. Tonight, we have Corinne, Kay, Alexis, and myself on the line, and we are going to discuss the loss of a loved one. So when I was researching this, the first thing I came across and I wanted to hit first was kind of the technicalities of what happens after you lose somebody close to you. The older we get, the more people we lose. And sometimes you might fall into the category of somebody that's going to have to help, um, help along with arrangements or even be an executor for an estate. So what to do immediately. When someone you love dies, they leave behind a life that must be closed out. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things that need to be taken care of. And the biggest thing is if, if you're old enough and you think that there might be any issues, and even if there aren't, planning ahead. Because letting people you know close to you what you wish to happen after you pass away is probably one of the biggest gifts you could give them, especially if they're going to be responsible once you pass. So if someone, you close past, if someone close to you passes, the responsibility of this may fall onto you. It's going to be stressful. There's a lot of bureaucratic tasks that need to be taken care of, and they could take a year or more to complete. So all the while, you're also grieving this loss emotionally. So tonight we're going to talk about some of these technical things that you need to deal with, as well as some ways to cope with the emotional uh, stress of losing someone you love. So the first thing to remember is that you cannot do it alone. Not only will you need emotional support, but you're going to need lawyers or CPAs and friends or relatives that you can delegate things to that can you can lean on and uh, they can support you emotionally and sometimes financially. So if you're going to be taking the lead in planning the funeral and then handing off the funeral details to someone else, you can hand off financially to an executor and possibly hand off the flower arrangements to your, to your aunt or your cousin, somebody that's willing to help. But I think it's important that we remember not to do it all alone. So you're going to oversee settling the estate. You might spend months, maybe even years. And that was one of the things that I thought was kind of crazy. So my first question tonight is, do any of you ladies have any experience in being an executor for an estate or have you seen somebody? And if you do, what is the biggest, um, I guess, the biggest memory you have that sticks out that you would give advice to somebody else if they're going to be in this situation? Corinne, let's start with you. Um, I don't <laughs> – so I guess my situation in terms of debt is kind of different. Um, so my mother passed in 2015. 
Um, at that time, I was living in Pennsylvania in the Pocono, and I actually had just moved there. I hadn't even been there two months. Um, and I had to relocate to Massachusetts where she lives to um, basically out her house and, and um, you know, take care of everything and make sure my brothers um, were good. Um, but the, the reason why it's tricky is because I believe that her house is in my name because of something I've seen um, that came in the mail, um, which magically disappeared. So that's either here or there. Um, but uh, technically my father was paying for the house. Um, even though they were divorced, um, my father chose to pay alimony. He chose to pay, uh, well, continue to pay the mortgage because my, my father had more than one house um, at the time. So he just continued to pay the mortgage and, and you know, paid her alimony. Um, so I basically just let him continue doing whatever he was doing with the house and just walked away uh, from it um, because I didn't want it anyway. Um, but... The, the whole thing with, you know, uh, making sure I got her house in, in order and, you know, cleared out so he can turn around and sell it. Um, yeah, that was a lot because uh, even though I had two brothers, <laughs> they did not uh, help me very much. Um, but oh, yeah. I just wanted to make sure there <laughs> for them emotionally. Um, but, yeah, it was a lot on me because I was doing majority of everything. Oh, wow. You know, well, you know, I'm glad that you were there to be, you know, you were there to be there for your father. I know exactly what you're talking about with you saying your brothers, you know, when, when death happens in a family, everybody deals with things differently, especially grief. And especially when somebody that's an icon in your family passes or unexpectedly, um, it can really cause a ruffle and, and not everybody's going to deal with it in the best ways. So sometimes, you know, we want to be, we're the ones that want to be those powerhouses, right? We want to be the idol and the, the one standing there that's there for others to lean on while still remembering that we have to be able to heal ourselves. Hey, Kay, what about you, honey? Um, I, I'm not really sure, like, if you mean an estate that several people have to dip into or if you just mean, you know, basically oh, clearing. You, you know, Basically, we want to talk about any situation that you can share some information on because it is something that people will have to deal with. There's sudden deaths all the time, um, as well as, you know, older, older age deaths. And I think sometimes if people can listen and talk about what they've had to be, you know, gone through and what kind of advice that we can give them on how to deal with it, uh, it could be helpful. Yeah. Um, well, my husband passed away in 2015. And um, it was a really, it was a really strange and difficult kind of time. I had to leave my baby, who was um, about a year and a half old. I had to leave her in California with my mother because I had to. Before we found his body, I had to search for him, um, and then when we found him, I couldn't really, I couldn't even take care of myself. Like I wasn't eating. Um, all I was doing was sleeping. I would just take sleeping pills and sleep all the time until the funeral. Um, I had to pack up all of his things and and decide what I was going to give away and what I would be able to carry with me. And I had to do that pretty much by myself. Um, oh, honey. And then um, on top of that, his family hated me. They kind of blamed me for what happened. And... Um, and money, you know, money can do weird things to people. They felt like I didn't deserve it or something. You know, he had left 
an insurance policy and uh it caused the it caused on top of their hating me or you know whatever you know people when people die they blame people sometimes even it might not even make the slightest sense but because they because they're so hurt they want to put the blame somewhere and I was just the easiest scapegoat so they blamed me and they were mad that I you know was the beneficiary of the of the policy as his wife they felt that it should have been his mother I just it was a really difficult time well, I appreciate you sharing that um, so much because the reality, unfortunately, is that these things happen. And and you're a strong, beautiful woman, and you you made it through that, and you're still here. Um, and I know for a fact that you've learned from that situation, um, you know, um, just by knowing you. So thank you for sharing that because um, it's not an easy thing to talk about, I'm sure. Um, you know, on that note, I want to move to Alexis and see if she's got anything to add, if she has anybody or any experience. Um, I don't have any experience being an executor because I've had people pass away in my family, and I was so young when my mom passed and my grandma passed when I was in my when I was thirty, and my uncle passed like two years after that. But my only advice to people is it's important to have a living will because yes. I've seen people in my own family fight. It's important if you come from a large family to make it very clear who has power of attorney, who makes decisions, and who is going to be responsible for what. Because Corinne is right. Money and property does funny things to people, right? And when my grandmother passed, she didn't leave behind property and or money, but her children still fought back and forth, accusing each other of, well, where is this? Or some was under assumption that she had some things. And it's just a mess. So for me personally, I work in healthcare. My best advice to someone is always have a living will, always have a power of attorney because God forbid if something were to happen to you and you're in a state where you can't make medical decisions for yourself, you want to make sure it's the person that you want in charge because if you don't have that living will, if you don't have that living will, unless you're – If you're not married, it goes to your parents. And if you don't have parents, it goes to your siblings. And if you're an only child, it goes to other family members down the line. So it's just best to have that piece of paper in, in place. That way, if something should happen to you, you name the person who has your best interest at heart. Yeah, that's a that's a scary thought too, you know, um as much as like we don't want to think about death, it's a part of life and planning, you know, me, I always like to plan and maybe I overthink, but this is something that's serious and especially if you have children involved, um you know, you need to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row. So before we take a break, I'm going to make a list here or tell you a list here of important technical um aspects of what you should do if you if somebody let you close um sorry, close to you dies. Immediately, what you want to do is first get a legal pronouncement of death. 
second, tell friends and family, whether it be, now it was funny because when I was researching this, it said send an email or a text message. And I was just imagining in my head how lovely that would be to receive a text message that somebody close to you had passed. So in my opinion, maybe try to pick up the phone and make a phone call. But if it's necessary, maybe you could try to add some pretty flowers on your email that you send. Um, Number three, find out about existing funeral and burial plans like we were just talking about. Um, Hopefully they've either spoken to you about this or there is a written out will and requirements or requests for a funeral or arrangements after they pass. Um, Within a few days after the death, you want to make sure that you make all the funeral, burial, or cremation arrangements. You need to secure their properties. Um, Make sure, you know, this is an important one. I want to share a little story with you guys real quick. I, um, you know, I've moved all over the United States and I lived in Germany as well. And a friend, my, my biological mother had a neighbor whose mother passed away. And during the funeral, they had not secured her house. They had not really gotten into, into worrying about what was going on inside her house or, or her property because they were all very devastated, which is understandable. But at the time, there was a group of people that were going through the obituaries and looking at the funeral. And while people were at the funeral, they were going and looting and, and stealing things from people's homes who had passed because a lot of times they will include, you know, so-and-so of this address from wherever, uh, you know, it's going to, the funeral arrangements will be at this time. So most family and friends are going to be at those funeral or cremation services. Therefore they hadn't secured it and her house was looted and they stole even food out of the refrigerator, which is just ridiculous and ghastly, but it happened. So I think it's important that people remember to secure the property and don't let it get too faced. Um, you want to make sure you forward their mail, notify their employer if there happens to be one. Within two weeks of the death, you want to secure certificate, or sorry, certified copies of the death certificate, find their will and executor, meet with a trust and estate attorney, take the will to probate, which is the legal process of executing a will. Um, You've got to go to the county or city probate court office to do this. You want to make an inventory of all assets. You're going to have to track down assets. Sometimes there might be things hiding, which includes going through all of the paperwork. You don't want to leave any any stone unturned. Um, luckily, I mean, some people are out there that can do this for you, but in, in many cases, there's not the money to hire somebody to do this for you. So it's a lot of investigation and research you're going to have to do. So be prepared and ask ahead of time, honestly, if, if the case may be that you can do that, plan and prepare for it. Um, all of this is calling marshalling your assets. You want to make a list of all bills. Uh, anything that still needs to be paid, anything that needs to be canceled, uh, subscriptions that need to be canceled. You need to notify Social Security Administration, life insurance companies, any banks or financial financial institutions. Uh, you want to make sure any stockbrokers or any kind of any anything that any money was invested to, into, you need to stop it, stop and desist. Um, and any credit agencies, vehicles that they may purchase or still be paying for. Um, cancel their driver's license, close their credit card accounts, terminate insurance policies, delete or memorialize social media accounts. I'm sure many of us have seen uh, a lot of the memorializations on Facebook and such. You want to make sure that those things are taken care of immediately Um, just because certain things can happen, uh, especially with social media. (laughs) Also close email accounts. So before we take our break, is there anything else you ladies can think of that you can add to any of the technical aspects of closing out somebody's life after they pass? 
Okay, well, we will be right back. Real Girlfriends Across America is on Patreon. Please follow us at patreon.com forward slash Real Girlfriends Across America. We strive to bring good content and we appreciate every show of support. Your donation could make a world of difference. Thank you for listening and all that you do. Clutch on to your drinks while we listen to today's trending news story. This is Danny with your trending news for September 1st. President Trump raises eyebrows with tweets declaring he did not have a series of mini-strokes. The denial came after a new book raised more questions about Trump's mystery trip to Walter Reed Medical Center last year. President Donald Trump posted a baffling tweet on Tuesday declaring he has not had a series of mini-strokes, and the White House physician released a statement backing up his claims. It never ends. Now they are trying to say that your favorite president, me, went to Walter Reed Medical Center having suffered a series of mini-strokes. Never happened to this candidate. Fake news, Trump tweeted. The tweet was followed hours later by a statement from White House physician Sean Conley, who said he was speaking out at Trump's request. I can confirm that President Trump has not experienced nor been evaluated for a stroke or mini-stroke or any other issues and have been incorrectly reported in the media. All right, well, welcome back. All right, so now I think we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty, the, the in my opinion, very important part, because paperwork is paperwork, um, the emotional and mental uh, strain that it can have to lose somebody you love. So tonight we're going to talk about some ways to cope when you lose somebody that's close to you. So I do have five ways to cope, but my first question is going to be to you, Alexis, when you said that you lost your grandmother, um, what would you think the number one, you know, the number one thing that helped you cope in that situation? Um, to be perfectly honest, I was in the house as my grandma took her last breath. So I was there to see her. And let's just be 100% honest. I was perfectly fine before she passed. I wasn't that emotional or anything like that. So, like, after she was declared dead, uh, I spent the rest of the week crying my eyes out. Like, I could not stop crying. Like, the only thing that helped me cope was pretty much ice cream and crying. I ate a lot of ice cream. What flavor? Anything I could get my hands on. Okay. Okay, Kay, what about you, honey? Um, are you do you want to share with us some of the ways that you coped with your husband's passing? Um I don't know if it was really coping. Like I said, I slept a lot. I didn't really eat. Um, when people started noticing that I was dropping weight, they would sort of like force me to eat food. Um yeah, I mean, when when somebody like that 
passes away, like somebody that you're that close to passes away, if you don't have people around you to support you, um, it can endanger your health. Um, some people, you know, use food as, as a comfort, and then other people yes. just stop eating. And I'm like one of those people. I just stopped eating, and it was becoming a health hazard. Well, I'm glad you make it. I, you know, I have a question. Do you remember a time when you're when you can remember your your kind of emotional and physical mental states shifting? Like, do you know how long it was, or do you remember if, if anything in particular happened that that helped you push past that that devastation point? Um, I think I think it was worse when I was in Minnesota because. There was a lot of denial at first, like, I mean, almost a delusional level of denial. Like, I would imagine all sorts of reasons why he wasn't gone. Um, and so, like, you really have to have people around you. You really do. Like, you can totally lose it, if, like, when you lose somebody that close. Um, it got better right. when I left Minnesota. Like when when he when he when his body his body was first discovered, I would I don't know if you guys have ever seen this phenomenon on TV where like somebody will die and then they'll show like someone seeing that person walk across the room and then the vision disappears yeah. like they're not really there. Yeah. Well, that that's Absolutely. a real phenomenon, and I didn't know I didn't know that that was a real thing until it happened to me. I would I would just turn my head. And I would see him walking across the room or I would see him sitting down in the chair or putting his clothes in the closet. And I would know he was gone, but I would visually see him. And um, that happened for a while when I was in Minnesota because, you know, especially because that was in places where we lived together and went out and had fun together. It got better when I moved back to California to my parents' house because um, there weren't as many recent memories of him there. And so that didn't happen as often. I stayed in bed a lot. Um, I was with my family for a while, and I think that helped also because if they noticed I wasn't eating, they would, you know, tell me to get food. They helped yeah. watch my kids. I mean, the biggest thing that you need when you lose somebody that close is you got to have people around you. Like, I, w- I was barely functional, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, I think you, you make me think of a of a good point, too, is that, you know, everybody's different, and some people – are going to be wanting to stay close to where you were living or, or, you know, residing or whatever you're doing with this person you love that is suddenly gone, whether it be tragically or expected. Um, Some people can handle that, but, you know, others cannot. Um, And whatever is best for you is what you need to pursue because everybody's different. It doesn't make it bad if you can't live in the house that, that you were in together, and it doesn't make it bad that you can I think it's just all a matter of how we cope. And, uh, you know, one of the ways to cope they were talking about is, is like a, a support group. And I think support groups can be pretty, pretty useful because there's other people that have gone through things and they might have suggestions for you. So, you know, support group, I think is a good thing. Uh, at least if, if you're willing to get out there and talk to some people, strangers. Right. And then also, I think some things that, like you said, that could be helpful, like for me, I wasn't able to stay in the home that we had, because 
Um, it was it was a place that we were renting, and I wasn't working in Minnesota. Like I had to move. I towards the end, I was surviving off of donations from other people. Like people set up a GoFundMe to help support me while I was trying to get my stuff back to California. So I didn't have the yeah. choice of being able to stay in the home that we had together. But there were items of his that I kept. I kept our furniture for a very long time. Um, and, and there were things that sort of gave me comfort, like his sweater smelled like him. So I would like hug it and smell it. And, um, and then the furniture that we had, um, it would give me comfort, you know, and then after a while, like I would say maybe three and a half to four years, um, I, I got, I gave away the furniture because I felt like it was keeping me in grief. You know what I mean? Like, I think there comes a point where you have to. In order to heal you from the grief, you have to let things like go. Right. Like it was almost yeah. like the, the it was the grief was, was sort of attached to the furniture. I don't know how else to explain it. So sometimes those things can be helpful. Like at first I needed those things to remind me of him. And then after right. a while I needed to, to let them go to be able to heal and, and move on. But you know what, that's that's actually pretty cool though because you're kind of bringing up a psychological phenomenon that we have that we attach physical things that we can touch and hold to people or, or, you know, memories in our life. And it's just the same idea that, you know, you, you ever seen or heard people talk about writing your, your woes down on a piece of paper and burning it to try to get rid of, um, rid of the energy or burning sage or anything like that. It's kind of that, um, that action that you're taking to, to say, Hey, okay, I'm ready to move on to the next step. And I think that's really great because it's important that you do that. Um, and for us, you know, being human, we want something tangible. We want something that we can see and we can hold on to and touch. And when we're ready to let go of that, it's kind of symbolic that you did it like that. And that's perfectly natural. I think it's great. So, Corinne, what about you, sweetie? Um, with me, I, like, when my mom passed, uh, I think it took me a little bit longer to get over it. I just because after she passed, a year later, my aunt, who was there for me during that time, she passed. And then a year after oh. that, my brother-in-law, who I was very close to, he passed. Um, so it was oh. those three people back to back to back. So it took me, you know, I couldn't even get over one before the second and third one happened. Um, yeah. But when my mother passed, um, you know, she actually uh, – was down at her house, and my brother was in the house. Actually, I was calling her, and what woke uh, my brother, or actually made my brother go check on her because he heard her phone ringing, and it was actually me calling. Um, and he noticed that she was not responsive. Um, and then, uh, obviously, what happened happened. But um, it was like I, but kind of similar to what Kay was saying. I was one day I just saw her in the house, and one day. I was taking a picture to show my cousin, like, how um, messy the house was. I'm always complaining about mess. So I was taking a picture of the house or whatever, walking around it, and I went to go send my cousin a picture, and it looked like somebody was laying on the on the sofa. So I ended up taking the sofa and throwing it in the basement because I had, you know, people coming to the house, and I didn't want anyone sitting on it or whatever. And it was the doorknob um, jingling. It was a lot of... Uh, wear stuff, which is why I had wanted nothing to do with the house um, after I took everything out and did what I needed to do. Um, but I definitely did drink the whole time uh, <laughs> during that time. 
Um, I was a functional yeah. alcoholic because I had to do a lot of stuff for, you know, a lot of people. So I had to be functional. And I don't even think right. people knew I was as um, was drinking every day during that time. But she had a lot of alcohol in her house. <laughs> and um, yeah. she wasn't drinking at the time. So it was just a bunch of booze, well, which I'm used to growing up. So, But I drank everything. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, did what I had to do. Well, you know, you bring up a good point, girl. Like, unfortunately, the one of the top five ways to cope is not alcohol, but that is that is one of the top five ways that we choose to cope. And although it's not recommended, you know, sometimes we want to numb those feelings, and and we always got to put a, a a warning label out there that don't let yourself get engulfed in that because it's way too easy to hide the pain. And it's way too easy to try to try to you know mask over what you're what you need to process because grief is a process um and that also it leads me to one of the other five cope real actual coping mechanisms and that's let your emotions be expressed and released whether that means that you have to go out and have coffee with your best friend whether that means that you have to go out on top of a mountain and scream or write or paint or sing or whatever way you need to you need to express those emotions my uh, uh my stepmom um who was was the iconic mother figure in my life even though I was a military brat so I only saw her once a year but she was my stepmom for 35 years uh the 29th of this month will be a uh, year since she passed last year and she was only 62 years old and so you know amidst the in addition to the pandemic and everything else in my in my personal life I've had a lot of loss this year I lost her I lost my brother-in-law to a tragic motorcycle accident. He was 48. Um, my niece and nephew uh, lost their dad. And then my my grandfather, who was the, you know, the patriarch of my mother's side of the family, passed away on Christmas Eve this past year. So I kept going from one to another, like you were saying um, before. Um, and in addition to that, I didn't even take a day off work because I just started a new job when my stepmom died. And Three days later, three days after I started a new job, she died, and I didn't take a day off because I was too scared I'd lose the job and I needed the money so desperately because of everything going on. And still now, you know, I find myself um, probably getting a little bit too emotionally responsive and and too, uh, oh, gosh, I don't even know what, I guess you can't really say you're too emotionally responsive to the death of a mother, but um, I probably I probably wish that I could have done it a different way because, um, unfortunately, life was happening so badly at that time. I didn't take the time, and now it really hits me pretty hard in some situations where I just can't control the crying. So um, I see that Phoenix added on. Hi, Phoenix. How are you tonight? I was just curious if you were listening to the show and if you have anything to add about coping with grief. You know what, you guys? Hi, um, man. I'm just I'm just catching on and. I kind of caught on as far as what you guys were talking about. I personally have not lost anybody to me like that, I, not yet. So I can't really, I, 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 I can't cope in a way that I understand what you guys are going through because I have yet gone through it. Um, I okay. don't get me wrong. I've, I've, I've lost. It's okay. You know, <laughs> friends. I've lost close friends and that was hard for me, but they were, some of them were friends that I haven't spoke to in a while. So it didn't hit me as hard 
as it hit you guys. So I do apologize because I I I no I don't know how to respond to that. Hey, but listen, you know, listen to me. First of all, don't ever apologize because the whole reason that we're here and the whole reason we do this is because we want to share information amongst people. We all come from different backgrounds and experience. And the whole point right. is, is that somebody like you might be able to benefit from some people like us who have been through that. And, and you know, the amount of pain that I've experienced in my life and what I've trudged through, and I've made a lot of mistakes, I would prefer if I can share a story with you and you can avoid some of the mistakes I made, that's the whole point of Real Girlfriends Across America in this podcast. Right. Am I right, Yes. I, yes. I agree with that. <laughs> right. I agree with so, that. So, yes. So Alexis, what about you, hon? Do you have any do you have any uh thing to add about coping with the grief of the loss? See, here's the thing. Grief comes in stages, right? Like for me, right. <clears throat> I lost my mom when I was 14. I don't remember my mother. That's just the reality. Sorry. Because I am now 34. I lost my mom 20 years ago. Her anniversary is coming up at the end of this month. My sister was 10. We don't remember our mother at all. Like, we remember bits and pieces. So do I don't miss my mom. And that sounds so cruel when you say it out loud. But the reality is she died when I was so much younger. She missed more than half my life. So the person that I still grieve for, even though it's been four years, is my grandmother. Because I lost her when I was 30, which is actually kind of rare because most people, they lose their grandparents before they were born or early in life. But I was fortunate enough to spend all that time with my grandma, and I still miss her to this day. So my grief comes in stages, and I get a little touchy and anal when it comes to the anniversary of my grandma's death because I have to have things a certain way. I have to make very specific dishes, and my sister knows, understands me well enough to just stay the hell out of the kitchen. Like, it's, it's easier to give me my way than it is to pick a fight with me because I will bite your head off. Well, you know what, honey? You know, and even though even though your mother was so long ago and that's, a, you know, it doesn't matter who that, I, that person that's iconic in your life that you lose is. Um, just because the, the traditional stereotype is that, you know, your mom and dad, that does, there's a lot of people that are raised by their grandparents. Um, you know, for me, my biological mother, as I said, I don't really speak to her, but my, my biological maternal grandmother and grandfather were, even though I only saw them once a year, those were the, those people in my life that really, that really um, imprinted on me. And I lost, um, I was blessed, the universe, I guess, because my mom sucked, um, blessed me with a long time with my grandparents because I only saw them so often. And so I just lost him on Christmas Eve. And then my grandmother died about five years ago. So it doesn't matter who it is, you know, it's still somebody close to you. And it doesn't matter if that name is mom or grandma or even somebody that you have taken on as an adoption or a pseudo mom in your life. Because, you know, blood isn't always thicker than water, in my opinion. So some of the other ways to cope are joining in rituals. They So they say that it is very important to partake and participate in memorial services, funerals. 
any traditions that you might have. So my question for you ladies is what type of traditions and memorials do you have in your family or have you participated in? And what was your kind of like your favorite? Uh, for me, when my brother-in-law passed away, he was a Rastafara and he was from Trinidad and Tobago. So they did a celebration of life for him. And there was a lot of really good food and there was a lot of really good music. And it was a, it was a party and it was really awesome because my mother's side of the family is Catholic and funerals are really boring and long and, and exhausting. So how about you, Kay? Tell me what, tell me what you got on your experience with the rituals of uh, losing someone you love. Um, you know, to be honest, the first time I ever developed any rituals was when my husband died and I've lost, I think around six people. When I was a child, I lost my grandmother, but I was very young. So it wasn't, it wasn't as impactful as some of the later deaths I experienced. I also lost her sister, which was my great aunt. The next person I lost was my uncle, which, um, was painful for me and then I lost my play grandmother which was also painful I was about 18 and 19 when those deaths happened and then the after that my father passed away in 2013 and then my husband in 2015 but I wasn't really able to develop like any rituals for the prior deaths before my husband because all of the all of the places that they were buried were places that I I had no way to get to my father was buried in Brazil um, and I don't even know where my aunt and my grandmother or my uncle are buried. So I wasn't ever, ever, ever able to, to go to um, their grave sites. But when my husband died, um, I, I made it a point um, to visit his grave every year, sometimes multiple times a year up until this year. And... Um, that that sort of became a ritual for me. Um, I don't know if I'll continue it forever though, because I think that I think that sort of like the you know how the the furniture held like grief for me, like going back sort of refreshes the pain. Like his 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 being gone isn't ever really like like thinking about it is that never like not painful, right? Um, so, but see, that's yeah. It's a beautiful thing, though, because he lives on in your memory, you know. And uh, and it's okay. It's okay that you that you can spread that out, and you're not going to do that forever because that's part of your grieving process, and you're moving on. And and luckily enough, you always have the memory. Um, and that actually one of the other points because we've only got about six minutes left. I want to bring up these two other points real quick, and one of them is preserving moments. So that is a perfect example, you know, going to visit the grave. Uh, In addition to that, you could do a memory box. You have a folder if you're into uh, folders and, you know, filing, Um, maybe a scrapbook, uh, anything that, you know, pictures, whatever you can do to memorialize in in your home or or your mind. Um, I want to hear from you, Corinne. What what do you've got on, you know, preserving moments and – and anything else to do with our topic tonight? Um, we well, it was like five months after my mother passed, um, which would have been her birthday. Um, me and my brothers, we went and got tattoos. Um, she had a tattoo. Her name was Teresa, and she had a tattoo that had her nickname, which is T T E E, 
but me and my brothers just got the letter T on us. So we got the same tattoo, but in different places on our arms, because that's where she had hers. You know, that's funny. Um, my my stepsisters. I don't. I'm a. I'm an only child from my original parents, but my stepmom, like I said, she had three daughters. So I I, I gained three sisters from that, which is pretty cool for somebody who was an only child. Um, but my stepmom's nickname was Robin because the night that her and my dad, my biological father met, he had a Batman glass and she had a Robin glass. And then they met and they noticed that they had these matching glasses. So her nickname was Robin from then on. And so therefore we're all planning on getting Robin's the bird. Um, cause I don't want Batman's sidekick on my arm. So I'm going to do a Robin bird, but I also, I have a, you know, I'm going to be acting in this little short film and I've actually named my character after her. So there's certain things you can do to memorialize. Uh, Phoenix, what about you? Do you do you have any input on how you can memorialize someone you love? Or Alexis, if Phoenix isn't there. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, um, say, I'm sorry. I oh, didn't okay. hear you say Phoenix. I'm so okay. sorry. Okay. Well, <laughs> when it, I think pictures is something, um, you know, I, I, being a mother of four kids, one of my things, especially because, you know, um, I'm not, I, like I said, I can't cope with you guys the way that I wish I, I I can, but as far as preserving memories and stuff, for me, it's pictures. Um, and like you said, um, um, photo books, you know, my grandmother, she's still here. She's somebody that's very special to me. She makes photo books of me since I was a little girl and she gives them to me on my birthdays. Um, and they're pictures of me and her as I grew up. She's somebody that I'm very close to. She raised me when my um, mother and my father divorced at a young age. So um, that's something I get to cherish from her when her time comes, you know, um, another thing, Absolutely. I'm a tattoo, I'm a tattoo freak, you guys. So uh-huh. I know, yes, I am a tattoo freak. So I know when when certain, like, for instance, my kids, you know, I, I, I have them on me, and I know there's going to be times w- with my grandmother or even my mother when the time comes. I know that's something I'm going to take personally, and, that, and I'm, I'm going to have something that they loved, that we loved together, you know, placed on me. So that's something that I do as well. No, that's good. Tattoos are, you know what, I'm a total tattoo advocate. I have 12 slash 13, depending on how you count them, um, and I have more in <laughs> toe and plan. <laughs> so so I'm all on board with that, Phoenix. We're going to get along just fine. Alexis, if you've got something real quick, what do you got for us, Alexis, real quick here before we close out? Well, I'm Buddhist, and in our religion, we offer food to the dead on the anniversary of their death. We do it twice a year. One is for Chinese New Year, and one is on the anniversary of their death, which is why in my family, it's just best to give me my way when those two events come up, because I'm going to steamroll over you anyway. No, that's great though because you know I'm one I'm one of those people I'm an artist I I think who who called me artsy fartsy K it wasn't K but it was someone else so um, I'm actually Buddhism is what I'm studying at the moment to find out about that religion so I'll have to talk to you more all right guys we're gonna have to wrap it up I am so happy that you joined us tonight 
please remember that there are ways to cope and there are uh, there are things that you can do. Don't take it out on yourself. Make sure that you express yourself mm-hmm. and reach out to those that are around you and that love you because uh, because we can all make it through and it's not our time yet, okay? Yes. Thank yes. you for joining us. Make sure to join us on Sunday through Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific and uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. We will be back tomorrow with a great new episode. Thank you for listening Have to yet another day. episode of Clutch, a podcast by Real Girlfriends Across America. Clutch onto us tight by following us on all of our social media platforms. This includes Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. Like, share, and follow us. Did you miss the episode? Don't worry. You can listen to us anywhere where podcasts are being played, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Anchor, Spotify, and Speaker. Don't forget to watch us on YouTube by searching for Real Girlfriends Across America and visit our website at www.realgirlfriends.org. And until next time, clutch on to your best friend and stay tuned.